non-benders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney, and I'm Dante Bosco. No, you've heard my impression of Dante before. You definitely know that's me and not Dante. He's on assignment in the Philippines and couldn't be here for this episode, but I know he's going to be so excited to listen to it. We have a very special treat for everyone today because we have an old favorite and two brand new guests to Braving the Elements who are longtime members of the Avatar family with these two new guests. I got to say, we have definitely dropped their names in the past. We've talked about their roles a little bit. We've shouted them out in past episodes. So having them here to talk with is kind of a long time coming. And it's especially cool. Because, of course, we've talked about the incredible artwork that we all love in the show. And we've touched on that aspect with folks like Mike and Brian, who, by the way, spoiler alert, is back with us today, and directors like John Carlo and Ethan. But here, we really get to celebrate two fantastic artists who did so much to make the show look as amazing as it does. Angela Song Mueller was a character designer for all the seasons of Avatar for Korra in seasons two through four, is currently an art director for visual development at Disney Television Animation, and Elsa Garagarza is currently a storyboard artist and director in the animation industry as well in Avatar, we already know that she rose to supervising background designer during book two. We recently brought that up as a reason to celebrate uh, when book two came around. We learned that in the fantastic art book. Again, if you have that art book, you have seen these two names so many times. You've seen these names almost as many times as you've seen Mike and Brian's names. So very, very excited to have you on. Please welcome with me Elsa, Angela, and our dad, Brian Konetsko. Hello, everyone. Hi, Janet. Good to see you guys. Hi, Janet. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's very satisfying. Okay. I've made no secret about the fact that of all of the things that go into making uh, an animated story, um, I because I have zero drawing skills at all, um, that to me is the most magical. So I would love to hear from each of you. Angela, if you want to go first, just picking at random, but would love to hear a little about your background and how you came to join Avatar when you did. Um, you know, I had been in the industry already for a few years, worked as a layout artist um, on a primetime show, uh, Futurama, actually, and and nice. um, had some experience there. And then I was actually at Nickelodeon when Avatar was going and the pilot was going and stuff. So I had actually heard about it. I was already um, doing character designs and storyboard revisions um, on another production. And uh, so I got to kind of see some of the behind the scenes magic as it was kind of percolating in the background there. It was really exciting yeah. to see and hear all the rumors about this really cool show coming up. That's kind of where I came from, my background. <laughs> I love that. I, it's very easy to imagine people being like, listen, I love the show I'm working on, but I'm hearing rumors about this show that's really interesting. Oh, 100%. And like <laughs> the rumbling yeah, yeah. of Nickelodeon. Love Absolutely. that. Elsa, what about you? Well, I used to be an architect in Mexico. I'm Mexican uh, from Monterey, Mexico. And, uh, but I always wanted to, you know, illustration and animation was my passion. Uh, at a point in time in 2001, my now husband and I came here to study. And uh, I studied a, a second degree in fine arts, uh, looking for a career in animation. I studied illustration because I wanted to become a painter, but I always had my vision in animation. So I worked on my portfolio during that career. And I thought I could market myself as into the background design department of productions so that I could have an advantage to break into the, the industry. I was very like nervous at the time because all the shows for TV looked stylized and my style was very realistic. So then this show, Nickelodeon, was being promoted as, you know, as an upcoming new show, Avatar, Last Airbender. 
And it was really funny because it was before you uh, applied online. It was applied by phone. <laughs> so all I knew is that wow. it was going to have this realistic <laughs> view and it was Chinese style. And I'm like, I, I love ancient architecture, uh, you know, as a, an architect buff. So I thought it's like, this this has to be it. This has to be it. So I sent my portfolio and I, I moved back and forth. So I was still finishing my studies. I traveled down here for interviewing and it worked out. The magic worked out. So... <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> when you say being an architecture buff and wanting to do realistic backgrounds, like in my mind, Brian is like nodding vigorously like, yes, <laughs> and this is why we couldn't wait to get our hands on Elsa. Oh, it, I felt that it would have been meant to be because I'm like everything else was stylist and I'm like, this is not me. And I think yeah. that I just landed in something that that was my first gig in animation and what a way to start my, my career. Yeah, we definitely wanted people that first and foremost had really solid like drafting skills, just understood perspective, um, scale, you know, composition. Uh, but then when I met Elsa and she had all this, this background in architecture, that was just great because we were pulling from so much real world influence and trying to uh, respect it, but also do new things with it, you know, kind of introduce fantasy elements, these cultures that were, influenced by the elements and I could just throw any sort of reference at Elsa and she always got it and knocked it out of the park and blended things together in a really interesting way. So, so fun working with her and Angie oh as well. Gosh. Angie was great. I remember Angie walking around the cubicles when we were working on the pilot and kind of, she sat really close to where Mike and I were sitting when we were the only two employees on Avatar <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then, when we put out tests, when we were, you know, staffing up, Angie took a test and was someone that already had an interest in like anime and we were influenced, I think, by a lot of the same stuff. So mm -hmm. it was actually at that time, it was, it was pretty hard finding people in the L.A. Burbank animation industry who were actually proficient in drawing anime mm -hmm. styles. They might like it, but not a lot of us had like the opportunity to do that professionally. So. Not yeah, everybody has sure. those skills, but like Angie has her own style, which is super cool. And then and then obviously like is a big fan of that stuff and was able to to blend them. Yeah, I, I think thinking back, I was my then boyfriend, now husband, Josh Hamilton was a script coordinator and he was the one who actually said, I think they're looking for layout artists. <laughs> I was like, perfect. I'm rolling off a show. And yeah. I was like, this is going to be the greatest opportunity. So I was like, I hope I can get a test from them. <laughs> Indeed. And what happened? Just kidding. I guess yeah, I, you know, it, it worked out. It worked out well. Yeah. I, I always thought that we, the Avatar production, could take credit for Josh and Angie meeting and marrying <laughs> and having a family. Uh, and then I, a couple of years ago, she's like, no, we were already dating before. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, we don't we don't get credit for that. But that's a, that's probably a smart thing to do to kind of keep that under wraps as you yeah. both are, you know, working and, and, you know, establishing yourselves as independent artists and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. But we love surprising people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. I mean, it's only been a couple of years that Brian's known that. You've definitely kept that secret a very long time. I'm super impressed. I mean, I knew they were dating during Avatar. I just thought yeah. the mm -hmm. magic of you Avatar guys brought them together. Yeah. I thought... <laughs> There were a few, but uh, no, that, we don't get credit for that one. Um, Elsa, I was going to say, I, you were physically at the Academy of Arts in San Francisco in like 2000, 2001. Is that right? 
Yes, uh, from 2001 to 2004, I was yeah. uh, doing my that second degree. And as I say, I, I applied from a distance. <laughs> so I knew that I was going to end up moving because this is where all the opportunities are. My husband was already had already moved in, so it, oh, gotcha. it was going to work anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was there at the same time. And I lived like right between where all the Academy of Art buildings are. So I, I in my mind, I was like, I bet we passed each other on the street because I was constantly I going so past all the Academy buildings. Yeah. It's so funny. I was like, oh, we're about there. And you moved one year before I did to LA. <laughs> we probably got coffee in the same place. Absolutely. There was this cool uh, Thai restaurant by mm-hmm. that corner. We probably were there. Thai stick, probably. Without knowing. Anyway, yes. So that made me very happy. I also went down like a huge rabbit hole with both of you just looking at your artwork online <laughs> and reading about you and already knew like Gallery Nucleus, like some stuff that had, you know, gone on there looking at some chorus. It was very exciting to see both of you. As I said, to me, it is a very special type of magic to be so skilled and to imbue illustration with so much life and character and so I'm just such a huge fan I'm totally nerding out but um, unfortunately that is what you're gonna have to deal with for the rest of this episode Um, I would love to hear from you before we dip further into the kind of beautiful amazing design that both of you and of course our dad Brian uh, were such big parts of on the show I feel like we have to ask you some of our favorite questions to ask our guests on the podcast so with that in mind Elsa's Starting with you, do you have a favorite or a couple of favorite hybrid animals from Avatar that you especially feel fondness for? I really love the buffalo yak from uh, the Northern tribe because I thought that it was like the fussiest horse. And I like horses and I like riding. I don't ride well, but I like riding horses. So I thought that would be fun to ride. And then later the eel hound appeared and I'm like all terrain riding you know, yes. uh, uh, animal. So, um, so uh, that would be fun. I would, it would probably kill me, but <laughs> how cool was the eel help? But what a so ride. I can mention those two. What a ride. Yeah. You'd ride everywhere. It'll probably could even fly if you wanted to. Oh, I love those answers. Angie slash it. Angela. Look at me. Immediately I... want to call you Angie. Like, uh, she's one of my best friends. It's Tell... fine. <laughs> Brian, actually, you stuck with Angie throughout all of our run of um, both Avatar and Korra. And like people had in between, people had started calling me Angela and it became. I don't know like, who Angela is. I've, I've <laughs> yeah, never heard of this Angela. I, I know Angie. That's that's who I know. <laughs> and I was like, it's fine. So Janet, yes, go ahead. That's totally fine. Um, I, you know, honestly, I've always loved the air bison and the flying lemurs. And it's hard not to love those two main members of the main pack. They're so well designed and thought out. They've always been favorites. But some of the ones I got to do actually were like the pentapus. He was so cute yes. and so fun to do. I was, And he has such a great little part, you know, where he got to make little marks on their faces and stuff. Yes. And, um, and obviously, Brian, as you know, my favorite non-hybrid really, um, but the fox spirit, which is based oh. on my own beloved uh, old girl, Sophie, uh, my Shiba Inu Ooh. at the time, Brian was like, Make it look like Sophie. And I was like, you betcha. Yes. <laughs> no oh, that's so, so fresh yeah, in my mind. That's that's Fox. Let Spears, me so. immortalize her yes. <laughs> on this show, which has been great. So I love and you, that. you now have your own Momo. I have a Momo now. Yes. It, both Brian and I both got like Lynx Point Siamese cat at the, around the same time. But <sighs> ours is always like she looked very much like a lemur. So my kids who were really into um, watching the series, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we had gotten these kittens and my kids were like, we're going to name her Momo. And I was like, well, can't go wrong with that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's for yeah. sure. And so we have a Momo and she's just as troublemaking, trust me, and loves food just as much. So yeah, 
I had a Lynx Point um, kitten who was also for some reason a Manx. It was unclear if like his tail had been cut or if he was somehow that was just Manx that he inherited. But he hopped everywhere like a bunny and it was extremely cute. Their faces. Y'all have their faces. (laughs) Um, Okay. Ships. Any ships that you like that you lean into uh, in the course of Avatar? Elsa, do you have a... (laughs) You know what? I was very shallow, so I always liked the Zutara ship (laughs) because they were both tall and handsome. (laughs) So I was shipping them together, but that was shut. That was so shallow. (laughs) But no, my favorite ship would always be Katang. So ended up being a quite handsome man. So (laughs) yeah, that's very true. So I just go with the classics. Love it. Yeah, Love it. I, you know, Zutara for me. I I don't know. There's something about the 12-year-old or 11-year-old that I'm falling in love that was a little like, mm, you know, <laughs> seeing, yeah. you know, my kids around that age right now, too. It's just a little like, I'm not ready for <laughs> them falling yeah. in love with someone. <laughs> I hear you. So. It's been a large topic. I mean, for being quote-unquote shallow, it's been a real topic of conversation on Braving the Elements because a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people feel like Aang really go. of course, he goes through something as well. But it's true. It can be hard for some of us to overcome his first moment of seeing Katara and us kind of being like, aww, you know, versus yeah. the energy between Katara and Zuko. But uh, Bad boy doesn't always win, y'all. <laughs> He's not. I'm that filling bad. the role of Dante right now. I'm, I love I'm repeating. He's not that bad. That boy does not always He hired an assassin to kill Aang. <laughs> I mean, is she just supposed to like look over that on their date? You know, like, hey, remember this, that time guy, you hired yeah. an assassin? Listen, his he had a dad that was not cool. Um, his dad was very bad. He had to overcome that. Uh, I mean, listen, I can't, could do that forever. I'm not going to put you all or Dante through my impression of him forever. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to ask you, and he is usually the one who asks this question, so I'm going to indulge myself one last time. Uh, Angela, what kind of bender would you be? I know I'm a firebender because oh. I have children and I have seen the steam come off of my head um, <laughs> dealing with my kids. And I I was I'm like physically look like one of those cartoon characters where you see the red line move up <laughs> to the top of my head. Um so I know for a fact. I mean I'm I'm an earth sign, I believe, but I'm not grounded at all. I'm absolutely firebender. <laughs> The question. the question is, would your answer have been Firebender before you had kids? Uh, you know, I was much more like, I think quieter and mellow. Yeah, I probably would have been more like, like go with the flow, a little bit more earth, a little bit more water. But yeah, I like, not now. Your bending sort of repositioned itself and you became a different yes, kind of bender. You, you morphed. A hundred percent. Well, as Dante would say, you know, there's a lot of good people in the Fire Nation. Angela, welcome in. Welcome in. A lot of good people. Elsa, what kind of bender would you be? I think I'm definitely air. I would like to send you away from a distance without even touching you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I just... <laughs> I think it's a, a an amazing element. Uh, it, you can catch yourself and you can like almost feel like you're flying. And yeah, I mean, you don't need to get close to people. Uh, you can like, well, I guess with all the sun, uh, with all the the other elements too. But there's something about air that it's that has this gentleness, just yet strength. So it can be 
gentle breeze or it can be a hurricane. So, and as Angie said, yeah, I'm a mom and, and I think I'm definitely a hurricane when I'm, when I'm angry. <laughs> so it's amazing how these things bring out qualities in us that we maybe wouldn't necessarily want to be there all the time, but it's part of the whole process and the journey of being a parent, I guess. Um, oh, for sure. So <laughs> I would love to hear from you both, like, where does your part come in? You know what I mean? Like, where do you, in terms of you're already on the staff, you're already making beautiful art, when an episode has been broken by the writers, like, what does that look like? I know it's a very broad question, but uh, Elsa, do you want to start? Like, how does that sort of look for you when you're going to get a new episode of Avatar specifically, I guess? Yes, we were going to have our startup meetings and I got some uh, advice from other artists saying, uh, you know, come prepare to the meeting with maybe some ideas when I was already working as a supervisor. So I would try to, two weeks before the meeting, I would knock on Brian's door and say, Brian, do you have any any visions for the, the next episode so I can start like digging towns or, or sketching out things? And sometimes Brian had a super clear idea and he would give me, this is what I want, this is what I'm looking for, and this is what it's inspired by. Sometimes he would say, this is the direction where I wanted to take it. So, you know, uh, start to think about it or, or, you know, you go ahead and think of things. Or sometimes he would tell me, and that would be very fun. He would be like, I haven't thought on that one. You know, like all the towns like the puppet master, you know, or the beach. It's like, oh, go ahead and bring ideas to the table. Nice. That I would go on and check on images and maybe do some sketches and uh, try to bring that to the table. And uh, maybe sometimes I could say, hey, you know, is this what you're looking for? If I, if you had time, uh, if not, I will come to the meeting with, with some drawings. And then after that, we will like, you know, incorporate all the ideas in the start. And then from there, I would just go back to my team and say, okay, this is, this is where we're going. This is what we need to do. And then we will start uh, finishing visualizing for the rough. And then we'll have a couple of that. And then Brian would say, yes, no, or let's explore this way. Those were very fun meetings. I remember very fondly. And then we will do the cleanup. And if there's any struggling little adjustments, we will do them in, in an extra week. And then I would prepare the information that I had for, and my the visuals that I had for the department of the color designers so that they could know, because they started saying, what what is this? Or how does that look? Or how does these colors look? So I would give them those references and I would say, oh, these are the metal things and these are the wood things. And, you know, this is kind of how it looks like and take it from there. So that was basically my episode per episode workflow. Which... By the way, I will say, I said that as if you all got to just work on one episode at a time, but we've learned from Mike and Brian early on that it's like, that's one episode, but you're probably touching this episode, this episode, this episode, and this episode in all these other ways while you're just getting that very new episode as well. Like, that's so much to juggle and keep track of. Correct. I'm, I'm so impressed. Yeah, they were staggered. Um, Angela, what about you? What What was it like for you? Yeah. When, and you're in a production, there's so much overlap. But yeah, it, exactly what Elsa said. We had these design breakdowns that we got um, to sit in. And it was actually, I felt just so, so helpful, um, you know, coming in. Uh, you know, we would sit down with the directors and the board teams, you know, and we get to hear from Brian. And it's the same process where I would talk to Brian and be like, hey, do you have idea for new characters that were being introduced to this episode? And sometimes he would have a little thumbnail. Sometimes he would have like the full sketch just like ready to go. And it was like, great, I can just take this and like do some like minor adjustments and go clean it up. Um, other times he would have like just an idea, an inkling of, I want it kind of based off of this, or let's look at this. And this is like the rough idea I have. Or, and other times he was just like, 
I don't know, <laughs> like do something different. I was like, okay, great. So, um, <laughs> Brian, you really trusted us to, to really kind of run with some things too, which was really great. Yeah. And it was the same process where I would go off, I would do some research, usually, um, especially the cities, a lot of the different locations and towns we went to were based off of like, you know, um, small tribes in throughout Asia that we were able to like pull references from and like use that for like costume ideas and like design, um, based off of that. So we would, um, uh, then do like rough passes on things. We would have like kind of one-on-one meetings where we would review stuff and then Brian would, you know, overlook, um, uh, the designs that we would turn in and then, you know, kind of go to the next stage. If we have notes, we'd make adjustments, go to cleanup. Um, and then it was kind of a, I get waiting for that, that approval stamp, Brian, <laughs> that was a big thing. And then, then it would get kicked off to um, the color design, uh, team that would be able to, uh, handle that from there. So yeah, very, very similar. Um, and it's something that, even now in my processes, when I'm working with a design team or I'm leading a design team, I actually push for having, I've been on quite a few shows that actually do not do kind of this design launch and being able to talk to the show creator, the director, or the people who, you know, this is their episode that they're leading. Um, and I felt like I was kind of missing out a little bit on those conversations. Mm-hmm. So, and it's something I kind of push for now in a lot of the shows that I go on to, it's, which is like, I want to have that open discussion with a director or whoever, just, sure. you know, what are their design needs? And I think that's so important to know. Um, and I felt like that's something um, that I really loved about, especially for Avatar and Korra. Yeah, it's like there is so much overlap and you're working on so many episodes at a time. And um, there are usually about three director teams um, rotating throughout that sequence of episodes. And on a TV show, we don't have as many opportunities like they do in features where everyone's getting together and, and there's a meeting of the minds and you're kind of coming at the problem from different you know, all these different stages and iterating in TV. It's just like, you've got one sort of chance to come together, put your heads together. And to your question, Janet, like it was usually when the script was ready to like the record draft, you know, like when the actors were going to get it, that's about when the designers would get it and the storyboard artists and the directors would get it. So there may have been a few drafts beforehand. Sometimes we might've been working off an earlier draft, but it was was just more efficient to make sure the episode was pretty locked in. That way you knew all the locations, all the characters, the production staff would do a breakdown. They would just go through every page of the script, all of the direction, any mention of like, he picks up a bucket. Okay. We're going to need a bucket. Someone's going to have to design that. You can't just go to the prop department and pick out a bucket. You have to design it. They go to this location. Someone has to draw it. Do we go inside? Oh, well, then we need to see what the inside looks like. Are we going to see this whole room? All right. Then we have to do all four walls of this room. So yeah, it was a great, those kickoff meetings were uh, a good time for you know, Mike and Aaron and, and those of us that had been living with the episode for a while to kind of share what we were thinking about. But yeah, we, we didn't always have all the answers or, or, you know, a big pile of stuff. I would often just, just on these big 11 by 17 sheets of printer paper, just scribble in the middle of the meeting and, you know, on sh- with Sharpie or something. But, and then a lot of the doodles I would hand off to Angie were like, done during other meetings. I'm always drawing during meetings. I'm sure it's perceived uh-huh. as rude, but I do some of my best designing. <laughs> you when... say drawing, we say doodling, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And I do remember like Angie, we worked you and your mother into one of the episodes. That's so. right. What episode? Is it the Zuko alone? 
It is the one where he he steals the he steals ostrich the horse from ostrich Song. Horse. Yes. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So Angie's name is An- Angela Song Mueller. So the character's name was Song, and it was that's the Korean. Right. I forgot that character. song. Yeah, I remember knowing that. Yeah. Yes, so we so you know cool. had the Hanbok and and um yeah and then it matched the architecture that we were doing mm-hmm. with Elsa and the designers. Um, you know, it was Korean influenced. So yeah, that was fun. So she's got cool. her dog in there. She's got <laughs> her mom. She's got herself in there. Well, thinking about like both the environments and the characters, I'm so interested in this idea because we we have learned from Brian and, and Mike how hard it was to, for example, animate martial arts and how much you know you had to take things into consideration when you're actually bringing them into life and making them move and having characters interact with them and stuff. I don't know if there's a specific answer to this, but I'd love to hear from all three of you what the conversations are like when you're really talking about something that has an engineering behind it. Like, you know, for example, if you look in the art book, you see environments in which things have to play off of each other in order for a fight sequence to work or uh, the, something like the drill and how it engages, how it interacts with the wall of Ba Sing Se, that outer wall, um, or the tile gloves of the Dai Li. Like, what are those conversations like for all of you when it's not just a plot point? It's like this is intrinsic. Like we have to know exactly how this works and how it engages with its um, background environment. The, sometimes the writers would ask us to jump on stuff a little earlier or they might, you know, Mike would he spent a lot more time in the writer's room than I did. And, and sometimes he'd pop his head in and be like, hey, could you figure out something for this so we can write it to make sense, you know, and, uh, Got it. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that would definitely happen. Or the, you know, the drill was one where, cause it's very much when the production staff doing breakdowns are like, this is a character, this is a prop, this is a, a background, but sometimes it's yeah. like the drill. It's so big. It's a, it's a vehicle, <sighs> which is usually a prop, but it's so big that it was really, they were backgrounds, but then there were things in it that were moving and, you know, those needed to be props. So yeah, that can get complicated. I was just going to mention the uh, the turtle, the island turtle. That, that was also like right. a mixture in between. It was like a huge background prop, almost a character. That was a, a um, that I remember that uh, it was, it, I didn't design that as a background. I think it was Jay who ended up designing the turtle, but I just designed specific locations on top of the turtle. That was another special amalgam of design teamwork. But yes, we had to know where if there was water needed to be brought up from sewer or something like when Zuko was fighting Azula, there needed to be some crates there so that there could be some water pulled off from that uh, area for Katara to bring up. So yeah, definitely there was a lot of uh, back and forth uh, with those uh, elements. Mm -hmm. I also think sometimes there's just um, a sense of we could design something, but it once we see the board come back, we're like, oh, it doesn't quite work. So I think we will sometimes even retroactively, I think, design based off of what we've seen, how pushed it got in the storyboards. And it's always like kind of surprising, like, oh, man, somebody, you know, whoever drew this panel out, like made it so much cooler, you know, that I was thinking or I had in my head to get down. So it's really, it, again, it's very collaborative in that sense, too, where we get to see kind of what would lead the design um you know, function, I would say, of, of something that we're working on, much like you're talking about, like the tiled hands. Um, Brian, I think I actually almost had to see what how it was being used in the board, you know, and I think you had explained it. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. <laughs> but seeing it actually being you, how they were using it in the board, the daily agents, I was like, okay, now I get it. Now I can go ahead and break that down a little bit better. So yeah, so much of this, I mean, it, again, 
a child thinking this is magic. Like, it's just that the, the idea of being in a room and being like, and then um, they're going to have these gloves and the gloves are made of stone because they have to be able to actually earthbend them forward. Like that just gets that part of my brain gets so excited, like <laughs> being in a room. But I can also absolutely see myself being someone who would be like, and then this happens. And then the three of you would be like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. How would that actually work in the physical world? Like, we have to actually grind through this and figure out how all these things are in relationship to one another. So the idea of the teamwork on that and like everybody kind of grounding it, yet not being afraid to think big and think super creative because it is this world that's based on real things and also is bringing in this, you know, incredible imagination that you all brought to the table. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Elsa, I would love to hear from you, like, were there environments, were there worlds uh, or nations? Was there like a specific nation that you would get really excited about? Like, oh, I guess I am asking you to play favorites, but were there areas and elements that you were like, oh, I'm always going to be really excited when I know we're going back to the Fire Nation or when we're in Bossing Say? Well, I really enjoyed doing, um, uh, I think it was like the Earth Nation. And when we would visit all these ancient little Chinese villages that are on, on rolling hills, that would get me so excited. And especially if there were like inner courtyards, because I like, I like to garden. So if there were inner courtyards or secret places or, in, you know, or different <gasps> levels, those little villages always, I got so excited. <laughs> Whether it was Chinese or, for example, at, again with the puppet master because i remember that i'm like oh that was when i had license to explore and i went it's like oh let's check tibet we haven't visited tibet we have you know we visited uh, thailand we visited angkor wat let's visit tibet so that was particularly uh, i don't know i just had a uh, reveled in the opportunity to do those these rolling hill kind of town stuff but that's what i like whenever i think of elsa the first design that comes to mind and i think you had it on your website elsa is the the uh, Eastern Air Temple. Um, yes. You just knocked what? that one out of the yes. park and did so oh. many different great so background layouts for that. And um, I mean, look, you did awesome. You did awesome work throughout the whole series, but that was just one that really, really stood out. And I, th- I thought really had your, uh, your signature in it. And uh, that's right. Just, just so many beautiful, like those kind of bridges that spanned between it and all the cool towers. And it was, it was a challenge working on the, the, the perspective we were trying to get the scale and also a down shot and it was kind of a com- complex location but uh yeah really awesome work you did give me the opportunity you know you did hand me your your idea for it it had to be three because the other two temples had been north and south had been like on one mountain and this one had to be like three mountain protrusions with a complex of three with uh, connecting bridges. That's right. I, I'm proud of it too, actually. <laughs> I was just thinking Gorgeous. of tiny little towns, but that was my chance to like get a temple. <laughs> that was my temple it's that I got to uh, work on. Thank you. It's gorgeous. And it, it's fresh in my mind because of Alpha's Lost Days. And so it's such an emotional feeling to that entire episode is so emotional and <clears throat> we just finished doing the recap of it and I was I started crying talking about Appa trying to paw oh. through the sand when the library is buried and how like for a second he's like maybe I can and then immediately realizes he can I started crying but that moment for us in that dream that he shares with Aang 
is such a relief to have this beautiful memory and this truly magical place appear before us when we've just we're just like run ragged emotionally by that episode. And so the Eastern Era Temple in that particular context has such a special place in my heart because it's like, oh, a happy memory, like a beautiful, wonderful place that feels like joyful and you feel like you're floating, which is kind of an amazing thing to accomplish with a brick and mortar building, so to speak, you know, that you sort of still feel like I know how this works, but I still feel like I'm suspended in the air. And that's that's a huge accomplishment. I love the little teething ring that the baby bison all come and chew. But like as beautiful (laughs) as as that location was, then we had to like crumble it. You know, because we had we had the like pristine versions from the flashbacks yeah. and then we had like the present day post genocide ones. And uh, but those look great. They were really yeah. <laughs> I think Brian did a good job with the painting. Yeah, for Brian sure. Evans, and uh, yeah, again, many fantastic backgrounds from Elsa. Another great one was the throne room, uh, the, the fire oh, machine yeah. throne yes. room. That was yes. one that I gave her some, you know, Ooh. directive and she just came back and I was like, well, that's it. Good job. <laughs> like, <laughs> she just nailed it. That was my test within that when I was going to s- switch from background layouts for animation to background designs. And you told me it has to have Chinese. There was an element of Egyptian and it had to be scary. That was, those are three yeah. directs. I'm like, okay, take it from me. Mission accomplished. So that was, I'm proud of that one too. <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. Angela, absolutely. I'm interested in sort of the world building um, from your perspective as well. And again, like if you want to lean into kind of characters or costume design, like how were there things that you got really excited about in that realm as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, having the opportunity to kind of dive into all these like kind of like I said, micro tribes throughout, you know, Asia, we got to kind of explore and, and find kind of what was that design hitch, that little element that we could use to uh, define these individual little, um, you know, tribes and cities throughout the uh, the whole series was really fun um, to check out. And uh, yeah, that was like the exploring, the research, the concepts. I think that's always kind of like the the blue sky part of it that we don't get to do a ton of um, in TV production mm. because we are on such a tight schedule. Um, so that was actually, you know, getting used to like what a deep dive is on things and and just really um, just doing a lot of digging, you know, just like on the internet scouring yeah. for the, the coolest pictures that you could find and just getting excited about something. And, um, and that was probably a really fun aspect of designing. And then I think, Honestly, I was trying to think like what were some of the best ones. I mean, I just had fun with a lot of them. Um, you know, and I think I can't pinpoint <laughs> like favorites even, but I did I just loved like so many. Um I love the fondness of working on a design, I would say. There was just like that's what I really enjoyed. I think the Ember Ireland players was probably one of my favorite episodes just because we got to like mock parody like our own characters and when you have fun with it, I think that's what you really um, remember the most when it comes to designing the characters and stuff. Yeah, Ember Island Players was definitely a blast. Um, <laughs> we thought, let's parody ourselves before we get popular enough, you know, and <laughs> other people start doing it. Um, you know, you did so many it's countless amazing designs throughout the series, but a few that always just, when I look at them, it's just 100% you. I think I did a doodle in a meeting of Ty Lee, but like you made her yours and I, th- I mean, you're great at drawing any kind of character. Um, but whenever it was like, 
a teenage girl or like, <laughs> oh, you know, you were always like, yes, and you got really <laughs> excited. And so, yeah, like Tylee, you just did such a great job. Like the attitude poses and expressions you did for her, like stuff like that can really help storyboard artists. And that like if a character designer gets a chance for like a more major character to do expression sheets, maybe attitude poses, that will then inform the storyboard artist, the director. They will often just directly use those if, you know, that it can fit into the story, into the acting. That gets into the animation. And then often we'll take the animators for a recurring character. We'll do such a good job that we'll take their really good drawings and put them into the model pack as like, hey, these are great expressions of Sokka, of Katara. And and then it just feeds back through. But another one that I remember, I was not in the, the story meeting when they they came up with Princess Yue. And I was, I will confess, I was not excited. And uh, Angie was just like, oh my god i can't wait i just like <laughs> knocks that character out of the park and, and just wait, was why so were excited, you excited to do it uh it's not my favorite character not my favorite execution of that you know i, I think i would that's something i would george lucas if we could go back but um <laughs> but uh anyway angie did a beautiful design and it's something i never I never could have come up with anything like that. That was very much in Angie's wheelhouse. Um, so yeah, when I look at that character, it's, to me, it's just like hundred percent Angie, <laughs> totally her artistic fingerprint. Uh, you know? I think that might be one of the only ones I actually, like one of the very few I, designs I actually did concepts for. <laughs> I was so excited yeah. to do it. So I, I have like her. additional sketches of her and like different, variations of her outfit and stuff because again time constraint on a in a tv production we're usually you know two steps behind a deadline and it's just like sure trying to catch up at all times and we don't really have a lot of time to play um in that fun space so but this one i was beyond inspired to do so yeah i was like thank you brian <laughs> oh my gosh i'm not super into like the idea of seeing a fashion show but i would say ua is like the first character where I mean, I would watch a fashion show of every single outfit on Avatar. But when we see Yue, you're like, hold on, something's changed. What's going on? Like, hang on. I want to see this person. I want to see their entire wardrobe. I want to see every event they've ever gone to. Like, she's just fabulous on a like new level kind of way. This is fascinating to hear, Brian, that you're like, eh, maybe not my favorite because it's true that she is definitely like a fashion icon favorite um be above and beyond her sacrifice and all of the you know pieces of her story um but that she's you know she's really like like whenever i see ua cosplay every i feel like everyone around is like there's a ua here there's a ua here like there's like sort of like hushed whispering it's great so well done well done it's a great design and that design Something I would, you know, I often try to do is with, especially with main characters, is you have to think of their silhouette. You're, the silhouette is the thing your brain recognizes first before you start working on internal details. You know, usually, hmm. like just even in real life, you know, if you see someone backlit, you might know them because you just recognize their silhouette. Hmm. So, something I always try to do is give every character like a distinct shape with their hair, is, you know, it's the first thing because usually you're looking at their head. And yeah, Angie just came up with such an iconic, really cool, interesting hairstyle and, and hair silhouette for UA that 
is unmistakable, you know, it's, that's it. And so that really like made that character stand out. I think you just intuitively knew this is an important character. This wasn't just someone you were meeting in one episode. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I just would have conceived of her a little differently, but whatever, you know, I'm, if people, if that's your favorite character, that's fine. <laughs> we all have our opinions, even even the people that worked on the show. So that's right. That's right. Elsa, I also was just in, in love with your style of illustration. I mean, not that it's to me, it's like a million different styles. I, I I don't know. I would never be able to look at your work and go, "Well, that's Elsa." Like in the sense that, again, I don't know. You just so talented and it seems like you can capture so many different um, styles, but you're both so great at capturing human expression. And, you know, Dante and I always say, like, we get so much credit for our, our acting, but we're like, I mean, you're looking at someone else's face. And if their face isn't portraying the emotion, it doesn't really matter what we do or, you know, what we sound like. So I'm so interested in what from all three of you, and then we'll wrap this up, I promise. Otherwise, I'll keep you here for the entire night. But how you find those expressions when they are not real people, when you're not standing, staring at someone playing soccer and going like, here, we're doing motion capture or whatever. And do those expressions, I would imagine that they would sort of grow and deepen as you know the characters better but like what is that process like for you i know that's like again a big picture non-artist question but um elsa why don't you start well at that moment uh, being uh, in the background department i was just basically focusing on worlds even though knowing the characters always there was always something depending on on, on what of a personality that you had to capture if the background was, uh, you know, their home or their town. So there, there's always that that you can extrapolate from the characters but because the voices are part of the personality, even, you know. Yeah. So it would it would always be something like a, like a spirit of the person that you can put in the uh, in the backgrounds. Now that I'm a storyboard artist, obviously, I have the complete picture of how uh, important those voices are, are going to be to the uh, to the acting of the character, because uh, uh, that's part of its spirit is. Uh, the visual part of his spirit is the voice, but the voice is so important into seeing how much you're going to push the, the character into, how you're going to mold it into the person that it's going to look into in the picture. So I, I've always been very, I'm, I'm always inspired by the, the voice actor's work because uh, there's so much uh, uh, that I have to honor <laughs> as uh, as somebody who's, who's storyboarding a character. I have to honor your performance. So, and you give me the tools to portray characters. That's that's not related to my experience in Avatar, but I, that's, but Avatar did make me want to switch my careers from, because I wanted to go into visual development and stuff. And Avatar did give me that inspiration to know I want to be a storyteller. I want to storyboard and direct in the future, maybe. Uh, but uh, that was a show that actually not only began my career here, but it actually helped me take the next step. And both Mike and Brian were so kind to give me the opportunity to board one page of script of episode 318. Uh, so that that was uh, this show was very important in my career. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, Angela, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think, again, the voice acting side of it is so important. I need to hear who that character is, because that could bring out elements of a, per a character's personality. And I need to know what was the read that was chosen for a line. You know, sometimes I can either 
just make that a super extreme expression or how, how can we play off of that? Like, is he really mopey? Is he really excited? Is he, you know, it's like, where can we push that within the realm of the show style, but yet get that across to like through the visual, through the voice, through everything. And it all kind of comes together. Um, I think that's so important to see and hear um, kind of together. Um, so it is, it's important to hear obviously the voices come in, but then gosh, I think, I'm like blanking right now, but no, yeah, but for you, it's like it's... You're, it's like that's been such a part of your life and your career for so long. I'm sure yeah. you, I'm thinking about it in the abstract because I'm trying to wrap my head around something. So it's like me saying like, <laughs> so how do you become a martial artist? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, to, it's... To, you know, Sifu Kisu or somebody Wrong who's question. been doing it for a million years who's like, well, um, boy, that's a real general question for something I've been doing a really long time. Like, why are you making me go there? <laughs> Again, I what you both capture is just very amazing to me. I, I think in animation, the the performance is a collaboration. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's one character yes. is performing, but it is a collaboration of of many people um, mm-hmm. pulling that together. And you know, obviously starting with the writing, but then what the actor brings to it. We often talk about Jack DeSena. You know, we had a different idea for Sokka's personality. Um, it wasn't 180 degrees from where he took it, but he just brought something so different to it that influenced how we storyboarded him. That influenced how he was animated. How he was animated then started influencing what we were writing. That influenced what he was then <laughs> reading. And, you know, so yeah. there's a real um, collaboration. The other thing is my friend Scott Clark, who's I went to RISD with and has, has done tons of stuff at Pixar, you know, he's always a animators are actors they're actors you know they love that they're not oh usually they're not someone who can do it in front of a camera they don't have that talent or that comfort level they're not using their own corporeal form to you know give life but they they observe life just like actors do Mm -hmm. but they pour that out you know through their drawings through their stop motion or cg animation whatever it is um they really understand human behavior and attitudes and stuff. And so something you'll often see on a animator in, in a storyboard artist's desk is a mirror. You know, they're often drawing themselves their own expressions or, you know, you'll use the webcam on your computer to take shots. I did, you know, lots of acting reference where I was, the record had already been done. The actor had already given a performance, but I was then lending some physicality to it to help the animators. Um, they didn't need to copy my every movement, but it was to express, you know, a particular kind of performance or something. So it's just a really neat collaboration. Um, and that yet somehow it's like this singular character exists in our minds as if they're a real person. Yeah. And I think, you know, even though these are cartoons or animation or whatever, like, whether you're writing or drawing or designing or animating these characters, it's like, you just have to think of them as real people. You have to respect them as real people. And and we often say, no, Sokka wouldn't do that. Sokka wouldn't say that. Correct. You know? and, Correct. And if you just think of it, oh, it's a cartoon character. They're a puppet for whatever I want them to say or whatever gag I'm trying to get across. Sure, you could do that, but they don't start to in, live in your head and your heart and feel like a complete person you know but but yeah that's just the 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 very tedious uh 
painful process oh. of animation is just that slow, nerdy collaboration <laughs> to bring life. We're so lucky that you all have and wield that patience that gets us the results that we do to get to to fall in love with a universe um, like you've all given us. I mean, it's such a tremendous gift. Um, and I love hearing like you, Angela, for example, hearing that your kids are watching it. You know, that's just uh, it's, that's lovely to feel like you're part of a legacy in that way. Um, it's certainly, you know, the best thing about my my experience oh, with it has absolutely <laughs> been that and to feel like I'm part of this this community. Um, this has been so great. I'm such a wonk. And I everyone who listens to the podcast is there. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, they're going to love this. It's great. I just have to say that both my kids also are huge fans as well. Yay. And it's so, so, to the point that Natalia would ask me plot questions. Why did this? But plot questions about stuff that were, super, <laughs> you know, suppositions of what if. But she would ask me so much questions. I'm like, oh, my God, Natalia, you're making me think. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're making me think, Natalia. <laughs> but it's such a, a good milestone in my in my career, enjoyed by my kids. So it, there's something about it that you live it again. when Because they would be like, Mom, come sit me. Come sit with me and watch it again. And, you know, <sighs> and I started playing the game of, I drew that background. And I drew that background. <laughs> and I drew that background. They were like, stop. <laughs> that was fun. That's so satisfying. <laughs> that was my background. I was like, Mom, stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. Brian, do you have anything you want to add? Oh, it was just so awesome getting to work with with Angie and Elsa. And that's why we did it again when we had the opportunity. Um, they both were just, you know, Avatar, it, it really, uh, the, we've kind of built a family, you know, of a lot of people. Um, we're all getting old now. So we've known each other since our, How dare you? you know, mid, some, some cases early 20s. <laughs> and, you know, now we're all grown up and, um, and it's been just really neat to watch their careers and, you know, you feel a sort of familial pride and, and joy sure. and, and like just glad to see them out there, you know, so cool. And Angie became an art director and, and um, again, it's making animation can be horrible, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in terms of, <laughs> I mean, there are much the scale of horribleness on earth, you know, it's, 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 it's cakewalk, but um it could be really rough and tedious sure. and, and stressful. But when you have people like Angie and Elsa around, it's all worth it. It's fun. And everybody believes in the same thing and, and brings so much spirit and, and passion and talent to the process that it makes it worth it. And then when you make it out the other side and you forget most of the horrible stuff, um, you just remember all the great people that you worked with. Uh, well, I'm so glad we got a, a little sliver of that today on the podcast. Is there anything anywhere people should go to find you? Anything like that? I don't know if you guys are like doing the social media thing or if you want to, but we wanted to throw that opportunity out last and then we'll let you go. I'm there. It's Elsa Garagarza at Instagram. Great. But I... Uh, that would be a place where I can be reached. Perfect. And LinkedIn with my name. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, I dabble, unfortunately. I think I have more photos of my dog on there right now. Girl, <laughs> I've been I hear so you. busy with work. And a lot of the stuff that I'm working on is currently under NDA. So sure. there's not a lot that I can like I can publicly share. But um I am on Instagram right now, um at draws like a girl doc on Instagram actually. I'm just uh, at draws like a girl. Love it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Brian. We know where to find you. No one can find me. No, no, <laughs> no one can find me. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, guys. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining. It was so, yeah, so good to see you. Thank you. you. Too. That was so great. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Avatar Braving the Elements. And hey, make sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a review. All of that really helps the podcast so much. And we love you guys. Next week, we're recapping Lake Lao Guy with the hilarious Joel Kim Booster. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>